Hi, welcome to Agora Community Radio, the podcast for artists in the animation industry who want to listen and learn on the go. This episode is from our A Conversation With series, where we invite pros from all walks of our industry to have a chat with us about their background and experiences, and then we finish it off with a little Q&A from the audience. You can always head on over to our website, agora.community, to watch the full video, or if you just want to listen to what we think are the most interesting bits and pieces of these conversations, you can listen to the Agora Bytes clips on this channel. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Howdy. Welcome to another conversation with today uh, over here at Gore Community. Um, you may notice something feels very different. Um, I don't have cool lighting in the background, and I apologize. It's, I'm, 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 I feel deeply inadequate right now. Truth is, I've been doing some rewiring and some crazy renovations in here and just didn't make the cut today, unfortunately. But um, I have something to make up for that. We have a great guest on today. David is going to be with me. I'm just going to bring David in um, because this particular guest um, um, does have some history, um, some overlap with, uh, with, uh, with David. And I think it'd be very fitting for David to do a bit of a, a read-in for today's amazing guest. Here comes David. Hello. Hey, Brad. That was actually my first question I had for you. What the, <laughs> what the hell is going on with you? I know. With your background? Well, but I do have a very fancy new uh, bracelet, as you can see. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's it's that's going to be the color today for today's stream. I don't have anything else. So compliments of my daughter. Is that one of those that you're going to keep until it, it breaks apart? Yeah, it's exactly. It's funny because I have the first one she ever made back there hanging off it and it just shattered and I try to put it back together. She always comes in here in the office and goes, oh, daddy, it's the necklace. And I'm like, I know. And she's like, she kept saying she was going to make a new one. This one is actually supposed to be a necklace, but it's a bit more of a choker. So it's not. Uh, yeah, you yeah. put it for two minutes and then you're like, okay, I'm going to die. I'm, <laughs> then I'm like, buddy, do you mind if I wear it as a bracelet? And she was like, oh, but it's a necklace. I know, buddy, I know. But I mean, look at how awesome it looks like a bracelet. I did a big sales job. Eventually uh, she uh, she bought it. And now here I am wearing a bracelet. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we have Thomas today yeah. with us. One of our experts on our wonderful roster of experts over at Gora Community. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. right. Um Actually, I got to know uh, Thomas when he joined uh, DreamWorks many, many years ago. I I want to say it was on Kung Fu Panda 2, but he, he might be able to, to, to confirm this. Uh, we worked together as well on The Crudes, but then after that, he worked on the How to Train the Dragon 2, Boss Baby, Abominable, uh, and was an animation supervisor on How to Train Your Dragon 3 as well. So I'm also curious to, to know how that uh, mm. happened and and today's also celebrating his 11th year at dreamworks so let's today. Uh, let's talk about that 11 years that that's something that is um, something all right was also anywhere over 11 years that's that's epic no through um i i think i think eight years is the maximum that i stayed anywhere is it yes i think it that's is impressive um, he was also a uh, animation instructor for Cgitarian. Now is one of our experts providing animation reviews, and he's just a well-rounded, awesome guy. So let's why let's let's just chat. Let's, for, just, let's just bring him in. Let, he's, let's, let's just do it. He's uh, he's right there chomping at the bit. Let's bring him in. Hello, Mr. <laughs> Thomas. How are you? Hey, wait, wait, hold Hello. on, hold on, hold on. Wait, wait. I got wait before before we even get started. I think David and I should both attempt at saying your last name. <laughs> uh oh. You taught me how to do this a long time ago, and I'm going to try my best because this is like my thing. Okay, it's Grunt. That's pretty good. 
that that's yeah. probably much better. You rolled you rolled the R a little bit, which we don't do in Germany, but that's okay. Ah, so Grunt. It's kind of like a, Grunt. Grunt. Okay, it's kind of like more back here. It's a Grunt. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. it's a it's a German last name, right? We do a subtle R. Okay. Yes. Well, I so don't know. It's a if subtle it's... R coming from the throat, not from the. the <laughs> yeah, that's it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I have no idea if it's a German name. I've. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. Welcome to the stream. Thank you. It's good to be with you guys. <laughs> Thanks for the introduction. <laughs> so, so when, when you got to to the U.S., how, what would you say was the percentage of people that got your name right or <laughs> pronouncing it? A zero, probably. Zero. <laughs> it's it's not mean, a, you know, it's <laughs> not a high number. And then some, uh, some people, you know, some people even tried making my first name sound more European by saying like Tomas or oh, something, of course. which is more the French. Well, you know, <laughs> or, you know, whatever. It's, they see the exotic fun. last name. They, they assume you have to pronounce the first name yeah. in a kind of a, you know, fancy way. It makes yeah, sense. It couldn't, it couldn't be Thomas, right? No, 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 no. <laughs> Impossible. Yeah. So, so what is it? Is it Thomas? Well, in, if you say it in German, it's Thomas. Mm. Thomas. Like, yeah, it's slightly different, but mm. it doesn't really matter. Yeah, that's all we're going to talk about today. Is your name, by the way? I, exactly. That's, we that's our you main, in to talk about our main topic. So, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> welcome <Good>. to linguistics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we handled it. So, I guess the street stream's over. So, thanks for coming. I uh, just want to thank Chad for being here. Just kidding. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, so where do we start, man? Eleven years. Eleven. Yes, uh, it's. I've literally, like I told you guys, I just, I just noticed that looking at at today's today's <laughs> data. Casually, like, wait a minute, that date looks years. familiar, and I'm like, oh. So, wow. did you have, did you add some plans when you landed in the U.S. in terms of number of years of you know? Okay, yeah. and what what was the master plan compared to? The plan wasn't eleven. I can tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yes. So, um, at the time. So I, I started at DreamWorks at the very bottom of the ladder as a what they call a trainee at the time. Mm. So, you know, they they brought me over and I had to sign for three years, which was like a at DreamWorks, they call it outreach contract at Disney. I think it's talent development, whatever. You know, there's different names for it. But basically, you come in, come in as slightly below junior <laughs> and then yeah so the, the the commitment was for three years you know which was also tied to the visa that they had to organize for me and at the time that felt like a long a long commitment and i'm like what three years what if i don't like it like you know what if my wife doesn't like it um but we felt like it was you know we just had to jump in and try and see so yeah i keep telling people that the us wasn't even really on our radar in terms of applications. Hmm. So we were like thinking going to maybe Australia or New Zealand or England. Like we wanted to get out of Germany for a number of years to just try it out like so many people do. Mm -hmm. um, and I knew that the US would be difficult in terms of, you know, even getting into a studio and then also getting a visa. So this all kind of happened pretty unexpectedly and and then we had to decide really fast. So three years felt like a long time. And when I got here, people were like, you know, yeah, you just wait. It's going to be 10 years in no time. <laughs> and I'm like, Apparently. sure. You know, and now, of course, that's yeah. exactly what happened. Yeah, <laughs> they, they make it quite difficult to, to leave. That's, that's for hey, sure. It also flies by. So I, yeah. 
And what was the initial motivation? Was it mostly work-related or just life experience of going to live in another country? And... Right. I, th I would say it was a little bit of both. Um, we, both my wife and I had planned to leave, to leave during our uh, university time for like, you know, a semester abroad or something. And then we just procrastinated and didn't, didn't make that happen. So we're like, after a few years of working, um, we, we, we kind of knew that we wanted that uh, foreign country experience for, for a little while. <clears throat> didn't have anything super specific in mind, just basically get out for a bit, see what's mm -hmm. out there, you know. Um, and work-wise, that, that happened more once I got into the industry. And Germany has a fairly decent animation industry. And, you know, a lot, a lot is going on in visual effects. But what I realized is that you, as an animator, you hit a ceiling fairly quickly because a lot of people that really want to push their art, they end up leaving, unfortunately, because a lot of the projects there, you know, they, there's not a lot of high-end animation, I would say, it's related to budgets and the film funding and how all that stuff works. So it's, it's kind of difficult to to really get to a, a, a really feature quality level being there. Like I was in a bunch of projects where I was the only animator, you know, working on visual effects stuff. So I felt like it was really difficult to get to a higher level. Mm -hmm. And that was a big motivation to go. Yeah. And <clears throat> was there a lot of... Because we kind of imagine that, you know, North America, Europe, it kind of, you know, different language, but it's very similar. Was there any culture shock when you got to the, uh, to, to, to the States or like, oh, it's just slightly different, but mostly the same? No, I, I, ex I expected it to be less different, to be honest. Um, so I wouldn't call it a culture shock, but um, it's, I, I think the thing that surprised us the most is... America is an, an, immig an immigrant's country, right? Basically, is what you think, but it's not really. <laughs> it's like you, you, Depends you, on who you, you ask. You, you come here, and um, it feels like nobody is ready for immigrants. It's it was so mm. weird, like all the organization stuff. You know, getting a social security number and and signing for an for an apartment, getting a car, and like we felt like we felt like school children in the beginning mm. where, you know, you don't have a credit score, of course, which we didn't even know what that is. And then you come here and you, 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 you assume that it's going to be pretty straightforward. And then you, you meet these people and they're like, huh, this has never happened before. Like, we don't know how to deal with this. <laughs> so especially in Los Angeles that has so many people oh, from man. everywhere, I felt like is, yeah, it was, it was odd. I didn't really see that coming because, you know, you hear from people moving to New Zealand or other places and they're like, yeah, you know, they, it was pretty straightforward and just opened a bank account and then I was good to go. Yeah. It took us like a year at least to feel comfortable and to have everything in place. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't, didn't expect that, but people wise, especially because DreamWorks is fairly international, especially at the time, you know, um, I felt pretty at home there because it was very diverse and, Everybody was super friendly and welcoming. So that part was pretty easy, but you know, the, just organizing life outside was, yeah. was harder than I thought. 
Do you still remember that uh, the first day when you arrived to the uh, DreamWorks? The campus? first day, um, I don't think. I'm not sure if I remember the first day specifically. I remember the first weeks uh, because um, at the time, because we were using that proprietary software, I mean, you know, the older version, Emo, mm -hmm. which was very different from any other animation <laughs> software <laughs> you remember. You it's know, a polite way to put it. That's, yeah. <laughs> at, you know, they when I got there, people compared it to like doing somebody's taxes because yeah. you have to like... <laughs> enter numbers and i mean you don't oh, have man. to but people did enter numbers and stuff it was so there was there were three weeks i think it was three weeks of training which was both i had never used uh, linux before so i had to learn some commands and like the shell and all that stuff um so they it was three weeks where i was pretty isolated in the training and i was i think i was the only animator that started in at that time so i you know i was the first few weeks it was just me looking at videos and like learning linux commands and trying <laughs> the software out and um i didn't have a lot of contact with the animators at that time maybe only for lunch so i barely mm -hmm. knew anybody yeah and so i do remember that i was just you know, getting coffee and then sitting down at the training station um and then you were correct earlier when you said that i started on kung fu panda 2 the, the thing was that I started in the last three months of Kung Fu Panda 2. Oh, so boy. after the training, I got dumped straight into crunch time. You know, <laughs> that was my first exposure. And the first shots that I got, I'll, I'll never forget that. Um, it was like all the Furious Five plus maybe a character or two. They were they were in handcuffs. And you remember you remember Emo and I, I needed like 20 constraints or something. It was super slow. I had no idea <laughs> how to move these characters and they just like threw me into shots with like six or eight characters with all the constraints and like, so there's, there you Sink go. Or just, swim, I guess, huh? I think, I think, yeah, it's, wow. it definitely wasn't, you know, you hear from other studios where people start with like a character turning around going, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't have Not that you. really. <laughs> wow. But I think that's true for most, for most people. Like they just kind of, throw you in the deep end a little bit. I mean, they you know, they help and stuff, but yeah. it was definitely pretty stressful. And uh, I think looking back, I probably put most of the stress on myself. You know, like you, you, you think you have to like be, figure everything out right away and like deliver yeah. as fast as everybody else. So I think most of the stress came from me, but <clears throat> yeah, it wasn't the most, uh, <laughs> <laughs> wasn't the easiest start i guess yeah i'm wondering if it was you know on purpose or if they just forgot so. that oh that's that's a new guy <laughs> you know or it, a basic because it, how many there was a lot of animators on a lot of different pro production uh as well yeah so that's uh so yeah, yeah the studio sometimes... was studio was big at the time i think even just here in LA were probably 150 animators, something like that. Yeah. And also I had the feeling that, you know, cause they hired me as a junior or even trainee, but I had the feeling that they didn't really tell production about that. And <laughs> they just like cast me normal shots. Yeah. Um, which was both good. And it was mostly good because then I had to learn really fast and, <clears throat> and I got out of that, trainee like mm -hmm. position pretty quickly yeah 
So I think in that sense, it was helpful. Yeah, I would say DreamWorks was definitely special in a sense that, you know, there, there was not really the kind of junior or mid or senior. You were just, you know, an animator. Yeah. Uh, and so whether you had four or 15 years of experience didn't really impact the kind of shots that, that you had. It was more, let's say, the average of the th three or four last shot. And, you know, how yeah. fast did you turn it in? What is the end quality? So th this was more what would... Um, you know, influence the, the work that you would have next more than the years of experience or anything else. So yeah, so yeah. Which an, it's an interesting approach. I think um, it's, I think in that sense, they kind of throw something at you. They see how you do. And then that kind of determines the path forward. And then it's constantly readjusted, which, yeah. give, which both gives you opportunities much faster, you know, but it, it's also like, it's definitely intimidating. <laughs> yeah. No, and as you said, especially with the, the 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 software, that it's a proprietary software. So you know, there's no they, you do not know that software when you get to uh, DreamWorks. That that that's for sure. Nope. And yes, it definitely had legacy from the software that was built. I want to say end of the eighties, if not uh, early nineties. So. But you know, yes, you had literally you had F curve, but you had a spreadsheet as well where you could enter all. Uh, the, the the values and there are some animators that were using this uh, technique uh, for me it was like oh, yeah. wow that my brain does not process this uh this way but it was intimidating uh, for sure <clears throat> yeah i was i was very much and still am very much a curve editor guy mm -hmm. and there were a bunch of people that didn't use curves at all like yeah. even i think one of my one of the guys that was sitting in my cube until he he left years later i don't think he used the graph editor much until like 2015 or so i don't know like wow yeah yeah and, it, and his it, animation looked great you know it's, uh, but i never i could never figure that out yeah and i would say in terms of troubleshooting there was not much you could do yourself if, if you run into technical problem but there was a lot of very good at mtds that could uh, that, that that could help but it, right. it kind of felt it kind of felt more okay i'm going to focus on animation and if i have some technical issue well some people are going to to help me so it kind of differently forced the dialogue with uh, uh technicians in yeah in sense and and i think that that aspect because that's still kind of the case right where the tool is 100% animation focused and you can't really do anything else with it which i think on the one hand is great because it makes you really specialized and it it when you ha when you have an issue like you said you know somebody else will usually fix it mm -hmm. like the cam we don't really touch the camera for example or if there is any any issues with uh the the set dressing props it's usually somebody that has to fix that outside of animation <clears throat> the and, and the tool is pretty efficient in that way and really fast. The downside, I would say, is, you know, if you ever want to leave and <laughs> you have to go back to a different workflow, you're not used to figuring out your own solutions anymore. You know, where you in Maya, you might like create a cluster and like do a quick deformation yourself. And you like, and you have to remember, because I, I haven't used Maya in a long time and I'm, it would definitely take me some some practice to get back it's not even it. called my anymore you know that right excess <laughs> <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> max yeah that's it you know it, it never ceases to amaze me that like because you, you touched on so, talking about how different people have different workflows and 
And mm-hmm. in, in that case, it, a lot of it, it came down to, well, that was a different tool. So people came up with their own workflows that sort of leveraged the tool the way it is. Like I still, I still find people in my class that, that have never even like opened up um, a layer before. I, I find these people in, in, in the industry, like people that, who just don't even have never bothered to explore animation layers. And I, that to me really fascinates me. And, and yet you look at their work and it's like, they're getting it done. You know, they guess they just have other ways mm-hmm. to sort of wrap their head around the problem. I always find that interesting to see the different ways that people kind of attack a problem. Yeah. I'm one of them. I think I've used animation layers once in my life. Well, I like things there you are, but you, do you hate, like, are the layers even a thing or that like, no, they, they, it's, <clears throat> yeah. So I, guess I think they're working, that. they're working on it, I believe, as far okay. as I know, but it's not, it's not a feature that we had in emo and we also don't have it at the moment. Yeah. But I, my brain likes simplicity in a certain mm. way, you know, where I want to know, like, if I, if I set a key on the head, then that is what's controlling. Yeah, the yeah, head. exactly. I, I love that. And we, yeah. we do, we do have certain, um, like, uh, what do you call that? Like additional controls, like, a it's called oh, head yeah. two, for example. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Where you some, can do an offset and yeah. stuff. Nested, well, nested hierarchy controllers, right? Yeah, basically, yeah. yeah. So I, I do use that, but I think, um, like I remember in, in I did a project in Softimage in XSI uh, years ago, and they there I had to use the, what was that called? The nonlinear animation editor yeah. thingy mm. thingy, where yeah. it's like a, it's like an editing program mm-hmm. almost, you know, where you, you blend clips and stuff yeah. and that I made it work, but it's, it's not my favorite <laughs> thing to do, I guess. Cause I can't see exactly what's happening. Mm. So yeah, yeah. That, that was a pretty, pretty cool feature from XSI. Oh, so yeah. among so many others, that, that software is so awesome. It was yeah. a great tool. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I remember there, there's a sequence I had animated. There, there was like, hundreds of flying creatures in there and working all the clip okay that's a cycle that's a turn right that's a turn left basically like gameplay animation but i had like those yeah. 15 different clips and then i would go in this you know motion editor and slide all the clip and create basically in three days a you know 30 seconds animation with hundreds mm-hmm. of those mm-hmm. characters moving around but uh, i don't know yeah i felt more like an editor than an animator exactly. at that time it was, and that's uh, exactly what I used it for too. It was a it was a VFX show with ravens, you know, where uh, there were, I can't remember how many, but there were some, some like flocking scenes with a bunch of ravens, and you know there were a few cycles, and then you just kind of plug yeah. and play a little bit. For that, it's useful. Uh, can I uh, just out of curiosity, what what movie was that that you were working on that had all the ravens? That was in Germany. It's uh, the movie is called Krabat. Okay. Or Krabbit, I guess you. I don't know if you can. I don't know if the. It's a very famous book in okay. Germany, a children's book. I don't even know if that's available in English. It's probably it probably is. The um, reason I ask is because I worked on. A, I was a um, VFX supervisor on on a movie that was done in the states called the The Messengers, and it, okay. it's it sounded like exactly the same show, like flocks of ravens. <laughs> they were like doing all kinds of crazy things. It would be really funny if we worked on the same thing, but yeah, yeah no, that wasn't was a German one. film. So, yeah. so tell us for you, how was the transition from Emo to, to Primo? Because it went from a <clears throat> proprietary software that was doing its job, but definitely felt like a software from the 80s, 90s yeah. to a, you know, super efficient software dedicated to animation that's <clears throat> definitely modern. So right, how was right. the transition? <clears throat> I mean, I think 
so the transition actually happened, if I remember correctly, on on Dragons Two. So that's when they they were developing it for years before that. But Dragon Two was the first show that it, the the tool rolled out, mm-hmm. and it was honestly pretty intimidating because it you know it it was an early version of it and we were supposed to make this super complex movie with tons of complicated characters and i remember to this day i remember uh so i was i was lead lead animator for that dragon with the four wings Mm. so the first time i i they they had like a rig an early rig with an early version of primo I sat down at my desk and I'm like, hey, you can open your dragon now. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> new software, new dragon. And I, I open it, I click on the root and I the T and translate Y and I go, but, but, but. <laughs> frame, slideshow. Okay, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, but then it was pretty amazing how fast it improved. You know, when we actually had it in, in production and constantly gave feedback because it was, the way they developed it was with the animation department. So we were constantly, or at least some people were constantly giving feedback, you know, and making a wish list of features. And then they tried to implement it and it, it went back and forth. So it was pretty interactive. And so after we started development on that show, I can't remember exactly when the first time was that it felt like we could actually use it, but it, was, it wasn't that long. A few months, you know, where it felt like, oh, okay, things are improving rapidly, and yeah. and then within a year or so, it it got to a really good place. And basically, once we were really doing shots on Dragon Two, you know, you could have multiple high resolution dragons in there playing in real time, moving mm. and moving them in real time, which to my, I don't know if there are many other tools that can do that, and I don't know if we could have made that movie in the time with the amount of people we had with a different tool, you know, because I think for the most time we were under 30 animators on that movie and made it in, I don't know, a a little bit over a year. Wow. So it was. So it's almost this tool that arrived just at at the right moment. Well, you know how it is. It's, it's whenever you get, whenever you get new tools or like new fancy toys that can do something you couldn't do before, then the project scales to that part, yeah. to that capability, right? And you just make more complex stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to video game production when a new console comes out. Oh, okay. Right, right. So now we have to do like, tw- like the resolution on the graphics have to be twice as big. So we just find time to like, you know, that, 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 that surplus just gets used. Totally. Yeah. So, but it's cool because it doesn't, it doesn't, I mean, you know, there are still choices you probably wouldn't make, but it definitely was a milestone in terms of because with emo the previous software there, there were plenty of times where you were maybe in dailies or in meetings or something and and then you would pitch ideas and you're like i don't know we can't really do that or that's too complex or that you know that maybe can we simplify that and mm-hmm. that still happens to a degree but it's now more for like economical reasons and not so much because we can't do it so in that sense, yeah. it kind of freed up the creative process a bit because you can, you know, you're just like, unless it's something crazy, the software can usually handle it. Yeah. So that's kind of nice. I, that, I enjoyed that aspect of it. Uh, I'm curious from, from the moment that you arrive at DreamWorks to, to now, uh, mm-hmm. is there, uh, how did your work uh, evolved 
just in terms of workflow, maybe preparation uh, to, to your hmm. own shot, because you started DreamWorks, you had what, like four years of experience? At, Something at that like that, roughly. yeah. Mm -hmm. And now you're at 15 years. So, so regardless <laughs> of the technical uh, aspect, what, what changed in how you approach animation in general? You know, I don't know if that is going to reflect good or bad on me, but I don't think it changed that much. I, I don't know if it probably should have, but <laughs> I think in terms of, in terms of how I approach shots, um, like workflow wise, it hasn't changed drastically. Like I still try to shoot or find reference if I can. Um, I definitely animate more without reference uh, in the last few years where I feel more comfortable sometimes just like diving in and trying an idea that I have in my head, which before I was very nervous to do that because I always felt like it would be, I don't know, weak or, or it wouldn't have a strong foundation and the mechanics and all that stuff. And, and still, I think most of the time the animation will turn out at least more believable when I use reference, but sometimes also more contained, you know, or, or just because I, I, I usually find it hard to, if I have reference that I really like to go really far away from it, I, that's mm -hmm. difficult. I think sometimes it's easier if I just make it up right away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's something that maybe has changed. But in terms of how I work, um, I, I've always worked fairly clean. Like I've, I've never been somebody to like offset tons of keys early on. And like, I, I you know, I like it to be fairly organized. Um, and I've always been pretty focused on like spacing and polish early on. I think um, that's something that was always kind of straightforward for me. Mm -hmm. And um, that's also something that I, I I hammer into my students when I'm teaching, I, at least I'm trying to, because it's something I I understand pretty well, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I, I guess the most that I've learned or changed is, is more filmmaking stuff, you know, like, how do you, how do you get clarity or like what what is the audience supposed to focus on in a shot? Uh, how to guide the eye across a cut or that I pay attention to, to stuff like that more, which wasn't really on my radar as a junior. Mm. You know, that was something that I was just like, okay, these mechanics got to look realistic. And like, what if I make a stupid acting choice that nobody likes? Like I was more focused on stuff like that. And now I think I've, I've relaxed to the point where I, in terms of, um, mechanics and like just making the shot work i know that i'm gonna get there like that's not something that stresses me out anymore mm. so i'm so now i'm trying to focus more on these like bigger more more uh more of these filmmaking things uh I, th I think that's that's about the only thing that really in terms of animation workflow i keep doing the same stuff <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's working, <laughs> I mean, I I don't know. I, I've always wondered. I, I've never been somebody to to like, you know, frame by frame study animation. I, I've I always wanted to be that guy, sort of, you know, that takes every new animated movie and like really analyzes all the the details. Um, but I also have a life, you know, and I've, I've I'm already <laughs> working in the, in this for nine hours a day. 
Um, so I, I guess I've also, that's also something that's changed, I guess, is I'm, I'm trying to find more balance between, um, you know, doing the job and then also doing the yeah. life stuff. As is well. that something that you felt that you had a hard time to just, you know, separate like, okay, when I'm not working, I'm not going to think about, uh, work or that's something that was always came. That I don't way. think so. I think that has, I mean, I've, I have an easier time now just, you know, saying, okay, I'm, I'm done for the day. I'm, I'm out. I'm, there's another day tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So I, I think early on, I was definitely more, you know, nervous about all that stuff and like, what are they going to think of me? And, um, trying to meet all the expectations that people have, you know, cause you're insecure in at, at first where I, I would say, depending on who it is for like probably your first five years, easy. Some people come in with like, you know, <laughs> a lot of confidence, but I, I would say most animators don't. So, um, And I just lost my train of thought. Yeah, <laughs> I would say that most most animators that that we had on this stream all shared the the the, the same story of the imposter syndrome. That sure. you know, I don't think there's a lot of animators that are maybe they're going to act like they are uh, confident, yeah. uh, but I don't know. Most animators that I that that I've met that were you know definitely improving very rapidly is mm -hmm. usually they had a you know there was no ego imposter syndrome let's fit in let's learn from everyone around let's not be cocky right. about you know even when, when we have a good animation that is approved and and all that so i think that's a majority of successful animator that are mm -hmm. that still remains very uh, not completely confident no matter the amount of years of of experience yeah It seems to be an it seems to be an artist thing in general. I guess you know you you probably have a small percentage that's that's convinced you know they're the greatest, and some of them are probably. But I would say most artists have have this sometimes unhealthy sense of like, am I good enough? Or you know, yeah. Uh, and I, I usually that's something I also try to talk about with students. You know, it's sort of um, to not so much to give them confidence, but to put things in perspective. You know, it's like don't expect when you've done animation for a year or two, you know, don't expect it to look like Pixar. It, that's not <laughs> that's not how it works. Um, Wait, what? For ninety nine percent of people, at least. <laughs> Other than Brent, of course, right? Brent, yeah, you were sure. right of school. On. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Speak I didn't yourselves. know you at the time. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Okay, that that's a good reason. Good good answer. <laughs> But uh, Thomas, I, I'm curious. I, I can imagine that when you got the uh, uh, ask to be uh, a supervisor or on how to train your Dragon 3, that this level of imposter syndrome uh, kind of <laughs> kicked in as well, because you might be in a position that you're going to provide feedback to animators that might have a couple of years of experience more there and maybe were there when you, you uh, already there when you started at, uh, at DreamWorks. So how did you navigate this, this part? <clears throat> you know, th there was definitely some of that. Um, but the good thing is overall, at DreamWorks, I would say people are generally pretty nice and they don't 
there is not a lot of ego stuff going on. So I, I wasn't really worried about that because I've seen other soups that were, you know, younger, I guess I wasn't that young at the time, but, you know, less experienced than some of the veterans. And that has usually worked very well. And <clears throat> it's been something of a change though, because when I started, most of the soups were sort of in that position for a while. And there was like a, a, a pretty fixed roster of people that were supervising. And, you know, there were promotions every now and then, but it was, nowadays it's much more common. So now it's more, you know, promote younger people and let them supervise for a show or two and then switch things up again. So that's a fairly recent thing. <clears throat> um, but I, I tried not to think about that too much. And I think what helped is that I was, uh, I was a lead animator on Dragon 2. So I didn't work on the first one at all, but I felt like because of that project and because I had also done a bunch of creature work on other shows, I ha like I had a reasonable amount of confidence that I, I could do it. Mm -hmm. And I was, and, and some of that also came from the mentoring and, and teaching that I had done over the years <clears throat> that the whole giving feedback thing wasn't completely new to me. You know, it's, I, um, it was new within the department, but um, so I think that was enough to where I was mostly excited about it and, and only a little bit nervous. Um, yeah. And it, I was proven right in the sense that people were really like welcoming and gracious. And, and I think I, I probably went overboard with feedback you know, <laughs> a number of times and people never complained. They like, okay, sure. <laughs> they usually, I don't know what they said behind my back. But, <laughs> we'll never um, know. <laughs> it's, yeah, it, it was tricky because it was a totally new character and, um, you know, a fairly major character in the movie that I had to develop and and then give all the feedback on. And um, <clears throat> there were definitely a bunch of people who had not animated dragons before and had not animated flying before. So, you know, sometimes there were a bunch of a bunch of notes. Um, I remember that we did one shot in... Um, it wasn't pre-production, but just after. I think it was the first sequence we did, and um, it was the it was the Light Fury doing the mating dance at the beach, and she was like putting on this like this this show that we had all kinds of bird reference for, and it was supposed to be like graceful, but also you know bird-like, strange, and so <laughs> I think that animator must have felt pretty tortured because I did I probably did six or seven rounds of drawovers, you know, to mm. get like certain shapes and certain. <laughs> so um, it's, it's something you have to learn also is to find that balance of giving like a sufficient, but not depressing number of notes. Yeah. Uh, but I, that, that part of, of supervising was probably my favorite thing is interacting with the animators and, you know, figuring out shots and, and seeing things, seeing the um like really figuring out that character with the team together that was really my favorite that was great 
Do you, yeah. so you prefer the lead role versus just animating? Um, so nowadays I think I would prefer, which unfortunately that doesn't exist at DreamWorks. I would prefer like an 80, 20 mm. supervising animating, something like that, or even, mm. you know, even just, um, mostly focusing on, on giving feedback, working with the team, but we can't, we, that doesn't really exist at DreamWorks. It's always, All if you're nothing. supervising, you're yeah. also animating uh, a lot. Mm -hmm. which is uh which is quite challenging yeah and i see that that's a trend kind of unfortunately everywhere i've seen it's always been a very really? known fact to me that lead animators are always the ones that get like it's it's crazy i've been a lead a number of times i know a lot of people who've been leads and it's it's always difficult because only the people who do well at leads like the, the, the truly good ones are the ones who are going to shine to the idea of supporting the team and what mm -hmm. you end up doing usually is spending the whole day doing that, force multiplying, making sure you unblock and assist your team. And then they stay an extra four hours when everyone else goes home and then they do their own shots. And then they have right. to somehow fold the eight hour day into a four hour or a four hour day to be able to get their shots done because they're often getting more difficult shots because they're also considered a senior sort of experienced animator. So they're getting a lot of more. Right. So it's it's it can be very thankless. And I've seen it's it burn rough. a lot of people out. I was I was absolutely burned out after Dragon Three, and I think some of that was my own fault, you know, because I, it was the first time really doing that, right? And uh, you know, I wanted I knew that it was kind of a, sort of a special character that you maybe you never get the chance again to do something to develop mm. something like this. So it's like a bunch of things where that I justified to myself, yeah, putting in extra yeah. time and stuff. It's a chance um, of a lifetime. Don't f it up. <laughs> kind of, right. there was there was definitely some of that and yeah and um so it was still i would say mostly enjoyable but i definitely stressed myself and burned myself out on that show um and it's it's hard to find that balance oh yeah um yeah. how did you how, how did you figure it out that you were maybe burned out at the end of, of that show <laughs> i think i'm still burned out from that show <laughs> <laughs> um did you get like how physical did well physical signs or mostly psychological or just tired or unmotivated yeah i think it was it was a little bit of all of that you know some some of the signs were very obvious uh just looking at when i sometimes when i got home and which was not healthy for a family life and it didn't make my family very very happy um because sometimes i would for example, uh, in, in especially in weeks where maybe a sequence was due or I had to do a lot of mm. feedback plus finish a shot, you know, I would come home. I don't live very far from the studio, so I oftentimes I would drive back at night to then like do a few more hours because at the time the work from home thing wasn't really mm -hmm. working yet. So that was my only option to sometimes get that stuff done. Um, and so you'd come I, home, I you'd come home, like be a kind of like be a family guy. Yeah. Get that done. Fa family yeah. goes to bed and you go back to work basically. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Yikes. I wish. Yeah. I'm, and I'm usually not for that at all. Like I usually recommend, you know, that <laughs> you people don't, advice. don't work extra hours. You yeah. know, don't give, don't give the studio like a bunch of your free time. Um, but sometimes it's hard to follow that that advice. Um, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, there were definitely a bunch of signs. I don't think 
I don't think I realized it right after the show because I took, I think I took two months off after that show, um, something like that. <clears throat> and, you know, I felt proud of the work that we had achieved and we had, uh, there was a really good vibe overall. So I, I think the first few months after it, it was more like, you know, yes, you're, you're glad it's finished and you're proud of it. And I think the, the feeling of, that it was a little too much came a few months after that, um, right. like slowly where, it, like you said, you know, it's, it was hard to get pumped and motivated about new things, you know, where you're just like, I don't really want to animate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, some of that I think is, is probably normal after doing it for such a long time. Um, I, I hear it from many, many, many people that they, after the 10 year mark or even 15 year mark, I think a lot of people feel that uh, mm -hmm. like exhaustion overall where, mm -hmm. um, and, and for me at this point, it's um, the thing that I find interesting about supervising is that it, it just mixes up your day. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it gives you different tasks. It like challenges your brain in different ways versus sitting down for nine hours and animating mm -hmm. um so hopefully i can do that more because after after the show i basically told them that i definitely need a break from supervising because of that double duty that you have to balance plus family life and everything mm -hmm. um <clears throat> but i really enjoyed the the supervising itself yeah that was that was really fun more dynamic, I guess, just like a, a fuller range of your skills and you were probably yeah, exactly. growing in more areas. And yeah. Yeah. Hey, by the way, a... I, I, I just huh? wanted, sorry, I just wanted to just, before I forget, you're getting a lot of love on our chat. <laughs> there's, oh, there's cool. two people. It looks like you have, maybe they're maybe ex-students of yours. There's uh, oh, Vanessa, yeah, yeah. um, greetings from Lutzwigberg. <laughs> and then we have, um, uh, also uh, awesome. Lurie. Yeah. Yes. Uh, who apparently was oh, a, I a remember. student of yours. Yeah. So there's, there's giving you uh... shout outs. <laughs> Yeah, I'm working with uh, Vanessa right now, and oh, um, nice. the the Cicitarian, That I mean, that's been some years ago. That's like at least I don't know, like six years ago, probably something about that. I think, um, yeah. yeah, that's cool. It's good how to did see it, you guys? How <laughs> did that happen, by the way, Thomas? The uh, the uh, Cicitarian? Yeah, and oh, well, just the you know the uh, wanting to to teach in, in oh, general. that's that's been there right from the beginning. Uh, I can't tell you why, but that's something I've always enjoyed is like working with uh, yeah, working with people directly and seeing their progress. Um, and it's just very satisfying to me. Mm -hmm. um, and I started that at my, at my old college that I went to in Stuttgart, Germany, um, where after that was just before I moved to the U S I think, so I was working on, you know, I had probably three years or so of experience. So I was very green still, but they, they had asked me, uh, cause they, they, you know, there's, there's not hmm, uh, like colleges in Germany. Oftentimes they try to get, you know, people working in the industry to give like a workshop or something. And it oftentimes when I was a student that never worked out. Like, I don't think there was one person in my four years that was actually an animator that was 
giving talks at the school, if I remember correctly. So it's it doesn't happen that often, which is, I think, why they asked me fairly early on if I could come in and just share some stuff that I had learned. So that's the first time. And those were usually like a three-day workshop kind of thing. Um, and that led into, I, yeah, I, I taught in, in Switzerland for, for a few weeks here and there. Um, I did my own online mentoring with just people that had asked me over the years, like, mm. you know, just privately sending me a message. Hey, how about you look at my shots? Um, and then it kind of grew a little bit from there. And Sagittarian happened through Jaleel because mm -hmm. um, he was a co-founder of that school years ago. And uh, I was actually planning at the time, I, I was planning to do a creature class for the school, you know, like my own course. And then I backed out because I think it, let me think. That must have, I think that was when I got the lead position on Dragon 2, I want to say. So like those two things kind of coincided and I just like, ah, it's too much. <laughs> and, and yeah, so I was, I was only teaching for them just, you know, giving feedback for a number of years. So, but, but the teaching thing has been, yeah, I've been doing that for 10 years. Yeah. And, and, and still enjoy it. And do you feel it had any impact on your, uh, on your animation? Um, Definitely in the sense of, I think, training my eye for like common mistakes and, and, and little things to watch out for. Because if you analyze that in other people's work, it just like creates a library in your own mm -hmm. head of yeah. just tons of stuff to pay attention to. And I've, I think I've always, I think that's been one of the things that, that, I've always done in a way, um, <clears throat> but, you know, uh, constantly analyzing shots and like trying to find things to make them better is, is a good training ground for yourself too. Yeah. Cause you, you, you know, you, you always kind of tend to make the same mistakes or, mm -hmm. or do the same tricks and the same, like, uh, yeah, the same stuff over and over. And I think being exposed to st uh, student work that's pretty diverse and where people struggle with completely different things mm -hmm. is is uh, is really helpful, actually. Yeah. So uh, I would say th those are the, the the two things for me when I taught for a couple of years. Was first of all, I had to you know get my shit together and being able to properly explain, which means that yes. I had to take a lot of those abstract concepts that I was just doing right, but I didn't really know why. Absolutely. And when it was time to, okay, okay, here's my course plan. Yeah, why is this working? So then you make research, research and you kind of understand, oh, okay, this is why it, it's working. And by those research, I was actually discovering <clears throat> additional, uh, you know, pieces of, of knowledge that would uh, improve uh, my yeah. own animation but the other part is exactly what you mean when you train your brain of okay i'm looking at the animation and you know let's say you have uh 15 minutes per a student or whatever that is and you do like mm -hmm. dozens on a weekly basis you cannot reinvent the wheel each time yeah. it's almost like your brain has a framework of okay those are the top 10 thing that i'm going mm -hmm. to to look at and i just scan this this animation that I'm seeing through all of those. And then I'm going to create a top three, four, five of what is going to improve this animation. And 
all of this complex analysis happens in 15 seconds and then yeah, you're able right. to and then after that okay how am i going to properly explain so within 30 seconds you have a, a in your mind a 10 15 minutes of okay here's what we're going to talk about and then after that it's through explanation and drivers and and all right. that but that but that's a process that can be a little bit intimidating at first mm -hmm. and then you get used to and i agree that it, it helps a lot when you supervise eventually you just apply Absolutely. the same framework to uh, on the on the workspace yeah that's 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 one of the biggest pluses i think um that you know you're already in that mindset of of giving those notes in a way where it's it's efficient and useful and easy to understand but but yeah i mean i i love your point of of saying that if you have to explain something you have to understand it that's it um and if you yeah if you don't you better you better work on that yeah um yeah that's been my my experience with teaching is that it it like it forces me to in, in some cases deal with a, like you said like a fresh problem it's like oh man okay that's interesting that doesn't look right okay well what mm -hmm. why does it not look right oh okay well let me right. let me break it down my basically i you know usually my brain starts thinking about physics it usually has something to do with something about thrust or some sort mm -hmm. of momentum problem uh, nine times out of ten and and it, that's as if it's a body mechanical issue and and then you realize oh man okay well this is the problem and then while you did that you just realize that you're like, you took something that you just peripherally just sort of took for granted and understood. And then it sort of concretes itself as like kind of a new rule that you never really thought it really existed. You would have got there kind of just naturally organically. Now it's yeah. like, Oh yeah, whenever I do this, this has to be true because otherwise yeah. it would just, and then now you find yourself explaining that for someone else to sort of learn in a nice kind of patent, you know, with a nice package around it. But then you just automatically now just start applying it to your own work because exactly. you know, you might've been doing that inconsistently in the past. You just never caught yourself. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That is one example that comes to mind with that is, uh, once I tried to explain the the relationship between uh, force, mass, and acceleration, right, mm. which is a very simple physical formula, in theory, yeah. and 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 then you know, it, I can't remember when I first did that, but at the time, I remember it wasn't really clear in my head. But I remembered, like from physics class, you know, it's mm -hmm. like F is m times a, and <laughs> and then I wrote it down, and I'm like, do you guys remember from physics? Like, this is a very important formula and then i you know and then you apply that in animation terms and it becomes like this tool where you can say mm -hmm. well look if the mass is really heavy mm -hmm. but it accelerates really fast that means you need a big force and if there's yep. not a big force it can't accelerate fast and yep. so it's very it's such a simple and visual explainer yep that and, and that's something that i discovered through teaching yep. that is so helpful for so many things yeah that was the same thing for me. It's, it's the Newton's laws of physics yeah, is yeah. something I dove into. And it, it just, you know, makes everything simpler. Absolutely. Afterwards, just a way that you have to explain it. So instead of, yeah. you know, a bad feedback would be, well, your character looks like weightless when he's, you know, going this direction. Well, okay, that's the bad but way why? of framing it. <laughs> the good way is more, well, you know, laws of physics, locomotion and gravity. And then yeah. that, that starts there. Let's see how exactly. you can, you know, put your weight off balance to use gravity to do. And then, and then all of those invisible rope that, that are, are kind of, oh, 
oh, okay, this is why yeah. it doesn't make sense for, for my eyes. Exactly. It's funny, the number of times I've been teaching a class and we and I find myself literally starting to talk about, like I start dropping words like, you know, momentum and inertia uh -huh. and I start losing some of the class. And I, I, just, I usually, at some point I stop and I'm like, so I guess you didn't think we'd be that with those physics classes back in high school, you thought they were not going to come in handy. Well, guess what? You know, you might not need to break out a calculator in this class, but you do need to connect with some laws because I mean, that yeah. is animation. Animation is understanding the physical world around us so that we can imitate it in some way in a, in a believable way. And yeah. I got some news for you. Uh, all of those theories are 100% the rules that we need to understand, at least yeah. understand them for, as far as an artist needs to understand. I mean, we need to know, know the cause and effect part of that relationship. We don't necessarily need to know the actual number crunching, but uh, yeah, it usually surprises yeah, and people. And it's it's also it's such a useful tool to analyze why something looks wrong, you know. Yeah. Um, and and also if you understand those concepts, it's it's so much easier to to figure out how to push certain actions yep. by you know by exaggerating one of those yeah. concepts. Like Tweaking if you want the something formula. exactly, if you want something to you know feel extra heavy then you can you know what to change exactly and um so yeah i, fi I find that was pretty pretty yeah. useful so go back to school everybody take your physics class all over again <laughs> you'll, you'll but it's something you know, that, so i was ahead. just going to say that that's the same thing with anatomy when you start to analyze in, in the face for instance what muscle is pushing which one when you smile and this and how it's pushing mm -hmm. the lower <laughs> it's it, it's that's one of the that for me, that was most of, one of the most interesting part of animation. If you're going to recreate reality or recreate an exaggerated version of reality, there are so many things that you need to uh, study, both the physics, the anatomy, but and after that, you know, you're going to animate on a, uh, a movie that has a lot of martial arts. Well, you're going mm -hmm. to study martial arts to understand, <laughs> okay, how can you generate force with an... So and it's pretty much endless. Each new project, you have new study to 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 make, which keeps it interesting and fresh every time. For sure, for sure. Yeah. And it's it's something that I've noticed over the years that most, you know, ninety plus percent plus percent of students, that's one of their biggest struggles is oh, yeah. how to make how to make that physicality convincing. Um, and it's the baseline for everything, right? You can have beautiful acting ideas but if it's clicky and weightless exactly. it's, it just hurts it so much exactly and uh and because you mentioned earlier that about you know having really vague feedback that's that's what i've experienced sometimes with teachers that i've had that i don't want to say that they didn't understand it or couldn't have done it better but they were sometimes very fast and like you know yeah it feels a little light here and maybe speed it up over here and then after five minutes they were done and I always like that usually frustrates me a little bit um, because it's it just kind of leaves you hanging. It's like, so, yeah, yes, it's OK to figure some things out yourself. But I in my own teaching, I try to be as um, as specific as I can, which oftentimes results in reviews that are too longer than they should be. Um, <laughs> but it's I, I try to think of the, the feedback that I would like to get. You know, yeah. to be really, yeah. to be so um, specific and that you can just like implement it right away and then mm -hmm. see the difference. So I think. Did you, did you have any animation to review that it was so bad that you didn't even <laughs> knew where to start? Awkward. So there was this one guy named. <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Well, you know, 
that the only thing that I that comes to mind about that is um, being at a at a uh, like a convention where mm -hmm. you know you have and I've done that a couple of, not too often but maybe like five times uh, where I'm not going to say which convention it was <laughs> but we have you have basically a line of like 50 people that and you know they all have their little iPads and they come and they want a quick feedback on their demo reel and and sometimes there's like amazing stuff and you you find people that are super talented but sometimes you know it's people that do it as a hobby or there yeah. are more generalists that also do lighting and shading and modeling mm. and everything and they have this animation on there <laughs> where mm. you look at it and you like you know you don't want to be yeah uh in like not in of course you don't want to be insulting but like Rude. You want to still say something helpful, yeah. In, instead of uh, focus on the modeling. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there were definitely some some moments where, and and what I found interesting is that that sometimes people were still felt like, you know, it was it was a a pretty cool piece of animation that you know maybe needed a, some tweaks, but yeah, it was just like floating about, and you yeah. know the gestures were like. <laughs> I often I often find that, that it's hard because you I find that people that are like that often end up being very they're quite prolific too like they have a lot mm. to look at it's like oh they have all yes. these these things and it's usually the same thing these action sequences that are really driven by a passion for video games or for oh. like action movies or something like that and and it's it's hard because you know that you're gonna have something critical to say and you know because how excited they are and they probably feel like they're doing a good job and you're gonna have to say something that might you know, you know, take somebody, cause I don't want to take any wind out of their sails. I mean, I wish exactly. I had that much passion. I feel like what the, you know what I mean? Like quite, quite literally they have yes. like, it's, it, they just, but what they need usually is someone to be like, look, honestly, I see that you love this. I 100% see that. And what I think you need to do is you need to do yourself. If, if you're serious about this, you mm -hmm. need to start back earlier in this adventure because I think you skip some steps, honestly, because there's, there's problems with an understanding of just physics in general, body right. mechanics. Like you sh if you were to go, if you could slow yourself down and go back and do exercises like side steps and like just basic walk cycles and understand in a vacuum how the body moves. Yeah. If you can keep the same level of passion, you're going to be unstoppable. You know what I mean? Like, but yeah, it's, which, it can be, it's delicate because you don't want to exactly. make them sad. And, and I think people probably usually don't want to hear that. That's it. You know, and I did, the thing is that I, I did exactly too. the same thing when I was in, when I was in college, you know, I, I did three short films. Two of them were <laughs> like, had a lot of animation in them. Yeah. And those were, that was my first animation I ever done. And the, mm. I think the first short film, short film we did was like seven minutes long. Oh, so I did, course. I made like all the mistakes that you oh, can make God. myself. And like, we, you know, we were way over ambitious and I mm. had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. So I totally understand why people do that. Yeah. Um, but then you, what I, what I usually try and say is that, um, that it's, you know, if, if they really want to be, first, I try to figure out what they want to be, like what they're most excited about. Do you really want to just be an animator or do you want to be a generalist? Because that's also totally valid. But if you do want to be an animator, you know, you have to, you have to create a, a training, uh, like a training schedule or setup yeah. for yourself where, mm -hmm. where it's like working out muscles, right? Where you, yeah. you, you find all kinds of, uh, like you said, little exercises 
that are interesting, you know, they're not like super boring. Yeah. Because if you just tell people, just do some walk cycles, you know, yeah. that's not yeah. what they want to hear. Yeah. But but <laughs> I usually package it in some like interesting little workout routine. Mm. <laughs> that, that just that's just and and what I also tell people, which I which motivated me um, when when I was learning, is that it's 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 kind of hard to practice acting or mm. like humor or 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 uh uh what do you call it um like being uh i'm just blanking on the word being dramatic uh but but what you can practice is things like mechanics and mm. and your 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 uh technical skills you know that mm. is but that's your foundation for everything so it's mm -hmm. i always found it motivating that you you can work out that muscle mm -hmm. pretty easily you know if you film yourself doing something and then you just try to replicate it or you try to yep. push it more whatever but but you know uh the things that really make a an animated scene sing or special or unique that stuff is a lot harder to practice mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, but yeah. usually you're also not all on your own with that. At least if you work in a studio, you know, you have all kinds of feedback, you have storyboards, you have, it's not like you're starting from a blank page. But there's other things um, you could do to learn those things too, right? I mean, I always encourage animators, if they're really serious about it, to take improv classes, go and go in like, I mean, nothing's stopping you from doing some of these things. You may not be come some Hollywood actor. You don't need to be, but you do need to understand the same mental processes that an actor or an actress would use in many ways. So a lot of us develop them naturally without ever taking a day of acting school. But for those who find that a bit more difficult, then there's ways of learning it. They just have to sort of put themselves out there and try. Have you guys done that? No. Nope. <laughs> me neither i, I mean <laughs> no but I, I like i said some of us are just natural so, i think some of the animators that, that didn't do it they just had this affinity for it you know what i mean like they they're they whether they are they they, they they some people can even physicalize it themselves but most of the animators yeah. i know tend to be a bit more internal and it's in yeah. their heads right it's like they can they can see a, a scene from a, one of their favorite movies play back in their head every small little detail of the the way mm. that they emote and the way that they gestured you know like as they tilted their head like these little things we just record it and then yeah. we're able to sort of apply it when they, we need to but some of us some animators that, that are trying to do this that's not necessarily natural but you can learn it mm -hmm. i think yeah for sure for sure i always yeah i i could never i i'm i'm not somebody who can like visualize too well for me what sometimes what i what i think about the my approach is <clears throat> i'm like uh um sometimes i have a clear idea you know or it comes from reference. That's usually the easiest uh, scenario. But when I don't have reference or when I can't shoot reference, like with you know a dragon that jumps on a branch and then flies off, um, where you kind of have to make it up, it's oftentimes I put some building blocks, I throw some building blocks in there and then I think of it as constantly fixing it. Because for some reason that for me, that takes out the, the the fear of the blank page, you know, where you 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 have nothing and you're like, oh my God, what am I going to do with this? This shot mm -hmm. has to be amazing, but I don't even know where to begin. But if you just, you know, throw throw some mud at the wall kind of um, in roughly the right places, and then you use your understanding of physics and your and also just your your gut instincts to make it to make it work and to kind of mold it into something that's 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 cool and it looks right 
sometimes I find that approach works pretty well for me. Um, it's probably not the most efficient way of doing things, but um, it, it's crazy how every animators have their own <laughs> different ways of w w working at it. That's um, um, Brent, do we have, I think we have some questions. We do, we do, we do, we do, we cool. do. Let me scroll so, up a little bit. Before that, I have, I have one for you, Thomas. <laughs> I'm going to send you a, throw you a little curveball here. What is appetite? <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> All right. So you've, <laughs> I've seen some, I don't remember when, that you were named by variety of being one of <laughs> 10, one of the top <laughs> 10 animators to watch. <laughs> That's why you're watching me now. No. That's it. Exactly. That's the only reason. How? What is that all about? How did you end up on uh, uh, on this list? And what is this? I didn't know that there was a top ten of animators uh, on the, on the watch list. Yes. So it's not the FBI watch list, I think. <laughs> um, so to be perfectly honest, I still don't fully understand what that entails. Like it's not. It's not like I have any any special privileges now, or that. <laughs> so there was there was a nice uh, there was a nice like reception uh, in Hollywood for that, which uh, like there was. I met I met like at Catmo for like thirty seconds. <laughs> it was so there was some neat stuff about it, and I think they do it every year. And I think the idea is to feature like up and coming artists. That's what I understood because it's it's a lot of people that work on. They, they, usually, they have a lot of two D folks that work on newer, uh, like up and coming TV shows and stuff. That's what I noticed in the, in recent years. Mm -hmm. They also feature uh, animation directors as well. So it's it's a little bit confusing because it's not only animators. So, at the time, I think this was in I want to say twenty fifteen. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I, I still don't know a hundred percent how it happened. Yeah, like how do you, you get nominated? I guess I, by yeah, somebody. How did they found you? I think you have to get. I think I mean they. I think somebody have has to suggest you unless. The, Usually, how it works. Variety people come up with it by themselves. So I I don't I don't really understand the process of it, and uh, it was nice. You know, it was nice recognition, and you can like, um. It was. <laughs> What I will say is it was very useful for the green card. <laughs> um, awesome. Yeah, so I think the, the idea basically is to to shine a light on on some newer um, artists that maybe did something cool. And invite that, them in to that a cocktail, year. Invite them to a cocktail party with Ed Catmull. Uh -huh. I don't know. I don't think he's always there. <laughs> Awesome. That's pretty cool. Oh, okay, I, I got a question. That's good. Uh, that's a random little tidbit of information. I Where'd know. you find that, David? You're good. Yeah. Shit, David, like knew. he's he's taking I, this stuff seriously. He's starting to do his homework. <laughs> he's starting to like dude, he's starting to dig on leads. Man, I'm I'm fearful for oh, the next I, guest. I, I tried to find some dirt, and that's the only thing I could find. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, I did a little if digging, Thomas. If that's, if that's all the dirt that you can find, I'm, yeah. I'm doing pretty good. I was going to say, it could get kind of interesting. <laughs> huh? So it turns out that you were actually part of a witness protection program. Sorry if I blow that up <laughs> right. right now, but uh, do you want to uh, talk about it? I have to go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay, here's a How question from our... Move? That's it. It's 
Time to get the bag. Pack the bags. We're going again, honey. So Scott had a question here. It was earlier. Um, you touched on this a little bit, but like, mm -hmm. so you made it sound like you said, end quote, it's like working in a tax software. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, for all those who have not worked at DreamWorks, myself included, can you give us a better picture of what, what emo was like? Right. I mean, that's, that, that was more of a running joke. It's, it yeah, wasn't really doing taxes. Um, it, it could have that impression mm. uh, when some people worked on it, you know, mm -hmm. um, yeah that yeah but it was actually a pretty cool piece of software because it it's one of the few tools that is tailored or it was i should say was tailored to animation right mm -hmm. so it doesn't have any rigging tools it doesn't yeah. have any lighting yeah it just has what you needed yes the only problem was besides the slightly outdated look of it <laughs> Was that it did not, it couldn't scale anymore to modern needs of production. You know, it couldn't right. do like multi-processor, yeah, uh, multi uh, sort of multi-threading, yeah. Um, and so it kind of hit its limit in terms of technology, okay. but the the tools themselves, there, I think there are still some some tools in Emo that we still don't have to this day, huh. in the new tool that were quite amazing, huh. and um, like. It, the graph editor, for example, was great. That's still great. But um, uh, for example, what we couldn't do at the time is uh, have high res geometry in there. Right. You know? So we constantly had to use these like cut up proxy yeah. models. Segmented or, or versions. Exactly. Yeah. Where it's the geometry is just parented. <clears throat> so you can have somewhat of, a, of an interactive feedback. But anytime you had to animate the face, you know, you had to go to high res and then it was pretty slow. Yeah. If you had multiple characters in a scene, you usually had to turn one off to work on the other one. Mm. But but the bones the bones of the program were great, and yeah. that's what when we transitioned to the the newer version, I think basically they tried to keep what was great and kind of just re-engineer it on a modern platform. Yeah, you know, to take advantage of because nowadays I think they have pretty insane machines. Um, and the software takes advantage of all of that, yeah. the graphics cards and the processors and stuff, which wasn't the case before. So how long, um, like, did you guys know how long Emo was was around? Like, when did it start and when did it get replaced? Well, we replaced, I, I guess, it was, it was how, to train, how to Train Your Dragon. Right, so. right. I don't, I think it, it the first uh, version was, I don't even know, I think it was even before PDI. I I'm, Don't quote me on this, but it was like late 80s, I mm. want to say uh that that version wow so it lasted a long and they, time they used it i i, I want to say the last mm. show on emo was um was peabody which mm. came out oh i'm not sure exactly 2015 mm. i want to say so wow. while we were working on dragon 2 transitioning to the new tool there were still one or two shows going on right um with emo yeah so mm. it was you know until recently you can say it's crazy. And just yeah. to give perspective on the uh, the comment of it looked like you know accountant that were uh, animating <laughs> is because basically even before the curve editor uh, got created, it was just spreadsheet. So imagine yeah. that the, mm. the the column are time and the rows are controllers, and then yeah. in each cell you can enter the value of rotation or translation. Wow. Yeah. So you could, so, and the animators that were using it were just like super fast and they knew by art, okay, 10 degrees here, tab 15 degrees here, and you would see as all those values were entered, the, 
character is slowly taking wow. shape. Wow. And so, enter. Enter. And so, this is so emo had a, like the earlier versions of emo didn't even have a graph editor, is what you're saying. Yeah. Wow. Well, well so that, how... that's that's our assumption because oh, yes, okay. we assume that in the 80s they yeah, didn't yeah. have the curve yet, and yeah, okay. somewhere yeah. mid 90s the yeah, curve yeah. happened, but it's, it still had this spreadsheet. If it's you interesting because it. it reminds me of kind of like animating with uh, 3D Studio Max in a way, because 3D Studio Max back in the day we used biped, and biped they were oh, using boy. quaternion um, <laughs> curves way before way before everybody else started jumping on that bandwagon, and the the, the time engineers didn't know how to to fake an F curve out of a quaternion curve. And so literally you just had keys, that's it. And you had to control the tangencies through those through using t, t tension, C continuity, and B was bias. And those three values were not graphical at all. You, you just had to understand what they would do and visualize what that would be doing to the graph in your head. It was crazy. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's funny because you say it like, and it sounds crazy, but then I'm like, well, I went through that with, with, uh, with Max which is mm. interesting. <laughs> yeah. One thing that, because you asked earlier what changed in my workflow, one thing that did change when I got to DreamWorks, for example, is I, since in the last 11 years, I have not used tangents at all. Um, before that, when I used Maya, you know, back in Germany and all those, the stuff that I worked on there, I was obsessed with tangents and like tweaking and like, you know, making the curves perfect and like, you know, going, doing overshoots after keys and stuff. And we, we can still, you can still choose to do that. But once I started at DreamWorks, I'm like, huh, the interpolation actually looks pretty nice. And I just started setting more keys and I haven't used tangents mm. ever. I, I don't remember for you, Thomas, but there was a Bezier curve in yeah. uh, emo, but there was a bug that sometime when you reopen your scene, all those Bezier <laughs> curve would come back flat. So oh after a couple of weeks, I was like, yeah, okay, I'm not going to use those. <laughs> I'm just going to create new keyframe and set. Right. You right. know, uh, there's always a danger to having these streams because you learn a lot about people um, in these streams. <laughs> and like, I thought I could let it go when you said you don't really use layers, but this whole thing about, uh, like, I don't know, man. Like now you, I thought I really, not gonna, I thought there I'm was a beautiful relationship for forming here. And I, I don't know. I, I just, I think I need to see other animators. I'm just saying. All right, Brent, do we have more questions? <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> that's that's David's hint to um, stop Enough making emo. bad jokes. I just, Here I you just go. So, over the edge. Yeah. How do you get the motivation up again when working on a film and um, you know you can't really take a break for a week or so? Million dollar question. That is a tough one. Um, well, I feel like this is this becomes more of an issue for many people that the more you progress in your career, um, at least I've talked to a bunch that feel this. Um, to me, this wasn't really a concern when I, when I, I would say in my first, I don't know, eight, nine years, I had no problem with, with getting motivated, you know, and there was always like a, an exciting new project on the horizon. And I felt like I was growing in my career and I was excited about it. And, but, there are definitely some plateaus that happen to most people, I think. And I guess the motivation plateau is one of them. Um, so <clears throat> what, what I started doing, because you mentioned, you know, you can't really take a break. I, that is something I try to push for as hard as I can. Sometimes it won't be, be possible if you have to jump on something right away, but I started taking longer breaks between projects whenever possible. 
So that is one thing that definitely helps. You know, it it kind of regrounds you and it puts it you just deal with some stuff outside of work and and it distracts you and then you kind of come somewhat refreshed with maybe slightly different perspective after a crunch time. If that doesn't work, um, there there are certain things that help me. Um, one is to find something in a new project that is exciting for you. Um, you know, yes, you will have to go back to animating every day, but maybe maybe you can pick pick a certain aspect, be it a character, be it um, getting better at a very specific skill like lip sync or something that's that that you can kind of uh, latch onto and and it it uh, you know you can you can focus on that when you when you go through those lulls and phases where you don't really feel like you want to do it you're like okay this is this is something I want to get better at or practice or um, I want to make something really cool with this specific character that has helped me. And uh, if if nothing else, you just focus on the paycheck. That helps too sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you know where it's you can still say, well, I I don't really I'm not excited about the work at the moment, which happens to everybody. Uh, but I still get to do a pretty cool job in comparison to many many other jobs, and I also get paid for it. So that is something when nothing else helps. That yeah still gets you through the week <laughs> put back in, in in perspective yeah um i think there also there might also be a i i completely agree it, it's probably a combination of you know kind of plateaued a little bit because you re, you still evolve but not at the same velocity yeah. as you used to so you kind of have the you're under the impression that you don't improve anymore and you're getting slightly older with time so you don't have the same level of energy and you've had a lot of past experience. So there's at the beginning of every show is a new discovery. And the more it goes, it's a slightly different version of uh, what you've done uh, before. So, yeah, you, you need a good, good strategies and sometimes just tactics just to get you. Right, right, right. And, you know, like listening to music or, you know, having mm -hmm. anything that can inspire you mm -hmm. as you are working, say, OK, I because for me, in my experience, it's rare other than when you're really tired of your project that you're unmotivated for a long period of time. Often it's mm -hmm. more like a couple hours or a couple days uh, at max and you need to say, okay, I need to go through this little dip of motivation. So what is going to help me to get through until Wednesday? And probably by Wednesday, I'll be fine. And then I'll be motivated right, right. Uh, again for a, a couple of days. I guess something else you could you could think about is is setting some goals for yourself, uh, like one year, five year goals. Uh, that that helps a lot of people. Sort of, you know, what 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 do I need to do to achieve certain career mm -hmm. milestones or or other, like maybe creating a, a new demo reel or like a a piece that's missing from your demo reel, like a creature shot or something that that can be motivating and also. Uh, the people around you, you know, if you getting inspired by your coworkers and what they're doing sometimes lights you uh, lights you up a little bit or even intimidates you, you know, when, when a new animator comes in and they're really excited about being at a new studio and they do some amazing stuff and you're like, oh, I, I better, <laughs> <laughs> I better get my, get my act together, you know, because yeah. these people do some crazy cool stuff. 
you know, it's funny because all those examples that you guys have both been giving are all, I would put them all in the same category. I would call them all gamifications. It's like you're mm -hmm. gamifying your life a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, the, it's like think of like a multiplayer for a game is sort of like it raises the competition a little bit. It makes you kind of excited to compete a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. All the things you said, like are all like, you know, setting goals for yourself. It's like the completionists, like achievement points and things Leveling like this. Up. Exactly. You know, but it's, it's, it's for real. And I, and I would say my big thing is have a hobby uh, outside of your job that, uh, that inspires you yeah. creatively because it, it just, it, I feel like at the end of the day, if, if life, if your job starts becoming not interesting, it's because it's not doing the kind of things that a game does, you know, mm -hmm. like forces you to grow and learn. For instance, the amount of endorphins that are released in your brain because you're learning new skills is enormous. Yeah. And this is exactly one of the main things that they leverage in good game design. And so you need to find a way of becoming in tune with that and finding a way of looking at your job and going, is there some ways that I could possibly gamify this whole experience mm -hmm. in a way that kind of re, in, re, in, you know, gets me re-enthusiasmed. I just made yeah. up a word. Yeah, that's a good one. That's it. I like you it. like it. Yeah, it's TM. That's TM. You got to pay me every time you use it. <laughs> but I really like what you said about having other stuff on the side because sometimes mm -hmm. we're under the illusion that you need to be super excited and stoked. On you know, and the reality is when you're a professional, yeah, uh, you know, artist that's like going that. to do that forty hours a week for many yeah. years. Sometimes just being motivated enough is is, yeah. is okay, and you're still excited by this music or photography mm. or your own yep. animation that you're or the game that you're doing on the side or whatever that is. Yep, and that sometimes that. That, that's okay. That's enough. It can carry mm. you, right? Like if you're inspired creatively, you, it, it tends to sort of balance you. And now suddenly at work, you're like, yeah, okay. It's because I like, it, you're not, at least you're not starving for that sort of yeah. that, that need creatively. And because you you're have this, satisfied somehow somewhere else. You have this fulfillment of feeling yes. that you're, you know, developing yep. a little project or a little something, even if yep. it's not always yep. why you're receiving a paycheck. Yeah. I like to think that right. that would be enough to inspire you and then possibly you'd be a little bit more connected to your job. So it's worked for me. Yeah, totally. yeah. um, for some, for some people also, it works if they, not that I want to encourage people to leave, but switching, <sighs> switching, yeah, switching absolutely. jobs can help too. You know, if, if, yep. if it really is severe. <laughs> yeah. No, 100%. You might, it might be yeah. time to think about it. Absolutely. It could be the answer to the question or the answer to the problem. Okay. Another question from Veronica for animating the four winged dragon is very specific. <laughs> How did you figure out the physics and mechanics of that one? That's a good one. Well, we just uh, looked at all the four winged birds that we could find <laughs> and just copied it. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. So easy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there are some four winged, um, they actually found four winged fossils recently, I think. Um, really? Uh-huh. <laughs> but they were they were different because the wings were more behind each other, and mm. with this dragon, they, which didn't make any sense, they were on top of each other, right? Because <laughs> the idea was that he could basically hide one set of his wings and then mm. basically deploy mm. them when he needed them, right, for maneuvering and stuff. So mm. it didn't make any physical sense. Uh, he would it would probably be a lot worse at flying with these with this setup. <laughs> But it looked cool, and he could do an X-wing pose. Mm -hmm. So there you go, <laughs> X-wing pose for the win. Priorities, right? Yes, obviously. So what? I mean, in this in this case, you kind of just you kind of just make something up that looks as convincing as as you can. Um, so what we did for this one is mostly. Um, first, at, at the, in the very beginning, all the four wings had the same size. 
so for the x-wing idea to work but then what we realized is when he's flapping it didn't really it just looked like another copy of the same wing again so we scaled down his lower wings uh so that they felt like a a slightly different set and sometimes we also angled them we spread them out a little bit uh um so that they don't they don't look too symmetrical but basically it was the same wing flap on or similar not the same uh on both of them with an with a timing offset and then we just kind of animated so they don't, they don't go through each other mm-hmm. and um and then when he, I think gliding was one of the most difficult ones because gliding as an X-wing doesn't make any sense at all, you know, because the bird has to have the wings basically outstretched horizontally to make that work. Mm-hmm. So if you fly like this, right, it doesn't it doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't look good either. So we only used the X-wing for some like extreme maneuvers when he had to make a quick turn, for example. And then we had the option of folding the lower wings in to keep, mm. like tuck them, you know, really close. And then he would just uh, glide with only the big wings. Yeah. So that was a big plus and it, it looked really nice. And we had, and then sometimes we had moments where in the beginning of the movie, you're not supposed to see the four wings yet. It's like a big reveal. Mm. So we had to like scale down the lower wings and like push them inside his body. And then they had to do some, some mm. fixes in, in the effects to cover it up and then he kind of pops them out really fast <laughs> so there were a bunch of cheats um and the most difficult thing with him was when he was either taking off or landing because then the lower wings were acting like bat wings that he could walk on and the upper wings were then acting like eagle wings you know that he could then fold in or mm. still do stuff with and then when he was taking off <clears throat> we kind of we did some weird in between where he pushes off with both his legs and from the arms that then turn into wings again. So is, yeah. You make it. <laughs> I'm curious. Like it, it makes it sound like there it was a bit of an engineering conversation in a way. Like here's the design they gave you, and you're like, okay. Yeah. So what did we do was some it? yeah. So did, it, mm-hmm. did is that what happened? The animation department got a chance to play with it and then push back, yeah. and then some decisions were made. Like it makes sense to, for instance, when gliding, uh, we won't be using the uh, you know all four wings because it would be dumb. And like it, it, so, yeah. it, that stuff kind of pushed back up and, and trickled upwards into the sort of the sort of the shot uh, direction. Yes. So cool. I think. Yeah, with 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 that, it all happened fairly quickly, and I think they had they had a few iconic shots that we that stayed fairly close to the original idea. But there was a lot of evolving going on mm-hmm. um, or evolution, where we just realized when we did we only did very few animation tests with him because we had to get started production mm-hmm. pretty fast. Um, but I, in the animation test that I did, I did a takeoff. Uh, some flapping and a landing. So at least we could figure out how that's even possible and what to do with the super long tail too. Right. That also doesn't make any sense for flying. Like no animal would evolve like this, but it looks cool, I guess. It's like a liability, (laughs) flight liability. Uh, I'm pretty sure that in terms of physics, none of those dragons (laughs) could really fly. (laughs) I think Toothless is probably the closest one to a somewhat normal anatomy. Mm. That might work. <laughs> Coming back to the point of, you know, taking the laws of physics and just exaggerate them mm-hmm. to a point that yeah. they kind of look 
That's it. All right. You need to know enough about it so that you can actually kind of fudge it a little bit and kind of suspend the disbelief, right? You know, because yeah, like it's... most of the stuff we animate is usually a bit of cheating, right? There, there is, yeah. And and with with the dragons, um, they they didn't really make pure physical sense if you like, you know, calculate what they the weight that they could carry with the size mm -hmm. of their wings and whatever. But we did do a lot of studying for things like how the wings are shaped and mm. how a flap works and right. how the legs are folded, how birds fold their legs when they fly. So we did put a lot of details in that are correct in, in real life, or at least are very well studied, you know, or like how to communicate wind in the air and what happens with all those little uh, adjustments, what, how they twist their wings when they turn um, and all those things how they steer with the tail and stuff. And if you put enough of that in, you kind of suspend your disbelief for mm. the proportions That's it. that sometimes don't make sense, right? right. You, still, yeah, exactly. you still buy it because you recognize exactly. so many things that are true. Yep. Um, so it still kind of works. But. Yeah, I totally agree. It's like making a smoke screen of truth and then everything yeah. else gets kind of dis <laughs> disguided. Yeah. So I got one last question. If you don't mind, this should be a pretty quick one. Do you got a couple minutes uh, extra? Sure, yeah, we're already yeah. over. Okay, yeah. good. No worries. So last question, we don't have to take too long with it. I would say, what sure. are your top, what are you, like on your bucket list now that you're, you know, you're, you're a seasoned animator. Um, huh. Do you have some, you know, let's say top three, what are your top three things that are on your bucket list? That's a really, really tricky one. So I assume this is, this is focused on like, my career and, and <sighs> animating stuff, I assume. I think it'd most, be kind of, of, most or maybe just career in, in, yeah. in general. Yeah, we yeah. can expand outside yeah. of No, no, no. Uh, we animation. don't have to, but I was only going to mention that most things these days on my bucket list are outside of career. You know? mm, interesting. Um, so I, it, it's funny because on Dragon 3 for me was the project that, that I felt like could be like the top of my trajectory. Um, and I would be completely fine with that. I, I remember thinking that on the film because I got to, you know, it was my first supervising job. I got to develop a really cool character. I worked with a bunch of people that I really liked. And, and the movie had a very fun fan base that gave mm -hmm. back a lot, right? So all that stuff was really cool. And I, I remember thinking, you know, if this is, if this is my, like, my career highlight, that would be completely fine. Hmm. And who knows if it turns out that way. Um, so I've, I should say that I've, that I've never been um, like overly the, the, the like overly ambitious person in the career where I'm like, I want to have an Oscar nominated short film. I want to direct at some point. I want to be uh, for sure animation director for some like major, but it's, that's never been really the the main motivation. Um, so I would say things on my bucket list, I would love to work in games at some point. Mm. Um, it's I've been following, you know, I'm I'm sort of we'll a casual you. gamer. We'll I don't I don't game all the time, but if I do, sometimes I get really sucked in and I'm like go crazy for six months. But um, it's something that I would be pretty pretty interesting i think especially with how much it's changed in the mm. last 10 years um but i don't even have anything super specific that i would want to do in games just like experience the the different 
kinds of challenges in pipeline. And so that's one thing. Um, and I definitely want to supervise again, uh, but ideally focusing mostly on that without having all that extra stress of doing tons of animation. Cause that didn't really, that didn't <laughs> work so well for me. <laughs> And I want to keep I want to uh, keep expanding the teaching as well. So I guess nice. those are three things. That's good. It's perfect. Nothing crazy. <laughs> yeah. I, well, that's a difficult question. If you haven't set yeah. some sort of crazy opus uh, plan for yourself, it's like uh, you know these are very human ambitions. What you just laid out, which I think is uh, probably a pretty smart strategy, because I think <laughs> so many people they put these crazy goals way way up high, and then they feel freaking de depressed when they they have a hard time getting there. You know, you, you've got some very oh. realistic, like the, it's not going to be, and these are definitely big goals, but they're not, uh, they're not they're ridiculous. Not, yeah, no, yeah no. exactly. No, I do think, I do think setting big goals is a good thing though, in general, unless, yeah. unless it constantly depresses you, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think big goals is, I think the definition of big, I think is I said, it's different for some people than others. Yeah. Well, Thomas, I just wanted to take a second to thank you for being here um, today. It was My awesome pleasure. to have you. Yeah, it's cool was to great. catch up, shoot it's... the shoot the breeze a little bit. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, and for those who uh, who don't know, just as a quick reminder, uh, Thomas is um, part of our expert roster. So if you're you're curious about maybe getting some feedback from this big brain of his, uh, you can go ahead and do that on our on our website. Um, thank you, David, uh, for being here as usual. And Thanks, guys. Uh, that was Thomas, great. have an, an amazing rest of your day. And you too. It was good to chat with you guys. Yeah, man. Always. <laughs> Cheers, guys. All right. Bye, Thomas. Bye, Ben. Bye. Bye. Um, so that was fun. I always forget to turn this thing off. There we go. Um, it's great to have Thomas on. Uh, we've had a couple of really interesting conversations on the side um, ever since he's been um, one of our experts and I got to know him. Um, I'd say I'd, I'd like to think kind of well. I I, I, uh, I I really, really enjoy my conversations with Thomas. He's a very, very, really, really, really good human. And um, and it was nice to kind of get a little bit of perspective on his career because um, I uh, obviously I've never worked at DreamWorks, so I had no idea of all the amazing things he had done over there. Um, but, um, you know, like this is kind of at the end of the day, the, the main reason why this show is so awesome and it, and it keeps me sane at the end of the day is because we get to at least know David and I know that at least for an hour and a half sometime during the week, we're going to be able to just hang out with a cool person and, uh, just talk about stuff that we like talking about. So hopefully you are able to enjoy vicariously through this conversation, um, on chat. Uh, it's always nice to have you in chat, asking really good questions and hanging out and giving shout outs to our guests. So please continue to do that and continue to stay animated. I'll see everybody on the next one. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope you got a lot out of it. Agora Community is a free resource for artists in the animation, visual effects and gaming industries, providing daily educational material, free rigs and assets. We also have a range of experts you can purchase affordable animation reviews from to help you level up your skills. You can check it all out at agora.community. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn for updates on upcoming conversations and free animation quick tips. So, until next time, stay tuned and stay animated. <laughs>